trust is one of the most difficult things to embrace in our recovery journey. And learning to trust again can be scary. It can be difficult. But a critical part of sustainability is learning how to trust in healthy ways to keep us moving forward in healthy ways. Today, we're going to unpack the important topic of trust. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official. This is a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, even leadership wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes and the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, our hangups, and even our habits and the effects in our broken relationships so that we can walk in healing and freedom, recovery the way Christ intended when he died for us on the cross. Hey, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the global field director with Celebrate Recovery. And welcome back. Thanks for being with us again today. As always, we just want to say thank you for how you're helping us to get the word out about Celebrate Recovery uh, podcast and just helping us to reach more people. And you've been giving us some great feedback. So we appreciate that, uh, the shares that you're giving us on that. But excited about today's topic around trust. It, it's a scary topic. It can be hard, but but a critical thing in learning how to move forward. And I've got uh, one of our dear sisters. You guys know her, uh, Sabrina. She's our national state rep trainer and does a phenomenal job in help equipping our, our state reps across the, the globe and, and helping us in so many different other different areas. But glad to introduce and welcome on Sabrina to our podcast today. Sabrina, welcome. Thank you. How are you? My name is Sabrina. I'm a grateful believer and I struggle with codependency and food and body image issues. Hey, Sabrina. So glad. Thanks so much for making time. I know you're busy, busy, and, and I appreciate you making time. I'm excited for our listeners to to hear your wisdom and, and nuggets of truth. But yeah, w when we were unpacking this, Sabrina, we're just talking about uh, what are some things that are kind of stirring in your heart and this this topic of trust uh, seemed to kind of uh, rise to the surface quickly uh, let, yes. let's unpack that trust because it can be really hard and uh, what what is trust maybe even going back to your story where did that become a, a critical part of your story and learning how to or maybe experiencing wrong definitions of trust mm -hmm. Um, well, I grew up in an alcoholic home and, um, my father started drinking, um, excessively when I was just a toddler and he, he did not stop drinking until I was already out of the house. I was in my twenties and already married and gone when he finally, um, got sober. And so growing up in that type of, of environment, um, you know, the people that I was supposed to trust the most in my life, my parents, um, became untrustworthy to me. They weren't people that I could trust to take care of me. There was, um, you know, a lot of emotional abandonment. They both were there physically, um, you know, and, and stayed together until my father passed a few years back. And so they were there physically, but emotionally, mentally, um, and even in physical ways, um, even though they were there, um, I was not protected the yeah. way that 
a child should be. And so, of course, my trust was impacted by that. Mm. Um, I couldn't trust them. I knew that um, part of my coping mechanisms became, you know, kind of putting this wall around my emotions, around my heart, Mm. staying, you know, at a distance from people, not getting emotionally connected in deep ways. Um, So I just needed to protect myself from everyone because these people that were supposed to be the ones that were going to protect me didn't. So that meant everybody was a danger Mm. um, to me emotionally and all of that. And so, um, so I didn't really trust anyone. Wow. Yeah. I like the, you know, one of the questions when I'm talking to sponsees or, you know, just in general conversations, um, is, when did you first learn that people could be unsafe, right? Mm-hmm. And those those moments, and this is why we do the inventory process, but those moments, those events uh, create an experience that tell us, even though it may not be true, that you cannot trust people. They will let you down. They will hurt you. And so right. what I hear you saying is those moments, uh, the first experience of people not being there for you told you that you you can't trust people and so your go-to was block them out right right don't let them in yeah you know um i was an extrovert so i had a lot of people around me and um school and activities and friendships became a lifesaver to in a way to me but it was still at a dis, you know, protected in a protected space instead of being someone who shared herself and things that were going on deeply inside of me. My friends knew about my dad's drinking because I wasn't, I brought them home with me. I I, I never developed that, like keep everybody away. I don't know why. Um, so people knew, but I didn't talk about how it affected me or how it impacted me. I became the person who was the shoulder to cry on and the one to talk to. And um, so I could be that for other people, but I didn't, I didn't ask that of anyone in my world. Mm. Um, There was one very close friend growing up who got the closest to me, but there was, there was still so much I didn't know about my hurting and about, you know, I I was just too young to, to know about all of that. And so it was very, it was limited And then beyond that, you know, once I got older and even away from that person, there was, there was just no, none of that until I got into recovery. Wow. And so, yeah. And, and that included my husband who I met in junior high, went to high school with, we started dating in our junior year. And one of the things that I developed, one of my issues was, you know, just, I, I was considered obsessed with boys and relationships and, that was like, in my mind, somehow that was going to be the, I was going to find somebody to trust mm. in, a, in a romantic relationship. Like that's what's, that's, what's going to fix what is broken in terms of my trust mm. is finding somebody to trust. But what, what happened is, you know, I, I didn't date a whole lot of people because I stayed in relationships fairly long. But the few that I had before I started dating Alan, um, my husband, they hurt me mm. as well. And so it was like, 
you know, I want this relationship where I can, you know, finally trust somebody. And that continued to hurt me and damage me more. And it was like, you know, this is never going to happen. And um, just continued to build that wall around myself when new hurts happened in those relationships. Mm. So when I got married, it was like, you know, this is finally going to be the the one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So your expectations were pretty high that, you know, which kind of puts a lot of unrealistic expectations yes. on, on your new, your husband, Alan, right? It's like mm-hmm. that he can't live up to. Um, but yeah, in, yeah. in fact, I, he and I did this book study at church. Um, it was a Christian counselor that wrote this book. And one of my favorite sayings that so was a picture of us that he made in this book was we were like two ticks without a dog. <laughs> We wow. were sucking the lifeblood out of each other, trying to get what we needed from each other. Wow. <laughs> Two ticks without a dog. <laughs> well, that's a very vivid image there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's what's fascinating, you know, and I think sometimes in our hurt and you're painting a great picture, you know, people had, you know, your first early experiences of people not being there for you, you kind of in that adult child of dysfunctional family model, just that, that kind of that rescuer, uh, keep everything together. You know, it's based on how I'm performing. If I can do enough to earn your trust, then, then maybe you'll, you'll trust me and I'll trust you. But so it's kind of this unhealthy dynamic that's kind of brewing in that space. But, uh, it almost feels like a, a performance, which you were projecting that probably on yourself, but even projecting that on, on your husband as well. Is that, yes. is that right? Oh gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. We both came from alcoholic homes. Both of us are fathers. Both of our mothers were very codependent and, um, his dad had anger issues. And by the way, he doesn't mind me talking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're in recovery together. Yeah. So just putting that out there. Um, and he's a great guy, but we came in with, um, a lot of issues coming out of those, those families of origin with each other. So he had the same expectation of me, you know, that I was kind of going to kind of fill all of those broken places and voids that he had that I had for him. And, um, we very, very sorely disappointed each other for a long time. Hmm. So what did that, I mean, kind of being in that unhealthy place, I mean, what were some of the things that we would see come out of that when we're, we kind of have, we're these two, <laughs> two ticks without a dog. Um, I'm going to have to use that one. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So what did that look like in just the way, I mean, how did that manifest itself? What would we see? Uh, in your interactions in conflict or just in general, just in, in everyday marriage, what would that, what would that look like? Well, in everyday marriage, it meant we didn't communicate, um, the things that we needed to communicate about how we were feeling and things like that until we were in our, you know, our coping mechanism places, which for him was the anger and control. Hmm. Um, was his biggest issue that he took out of his family. Um, And mine was codependency. And so his anger would start growing if he, kind of really anything in life would 
frustrate and anger him if things didn't go to plan because mm. he was a perfectionist. He learned how to be a perfectionist to earn love. And so everyone around him had to kind of do and be the same. And so he expected that of me and the kids, perfection. Mm. And we messed up a lot and we weren't perfect. And and just life, if there was traffic, he would get angry. If our you know holiday or vacation plans didn't go as planned, he would get angry. There was just pretty much every day there was anger about things. Mm. And so that anger, when he would start getting angry, my codependency would flare up. I would start feeling anxious. I would get a knot in my stomach. I would be like, you know, you know, please stop. And then we would get into what I now know is called the Cartman drama triangle, mm. where his anger would flare and I would try to rescue. And so I would I would try to talk him out of his anger, try to rationalize things, make him see things from a different perspective that was good, you know, like it's not as bad as you think it is kind of stuff. And I would start trying to make him feel better. I would try to fix it. Mm. And when that didn't work... I would I would eventually get to a place where I would get angry and blow up that whole, you know, with codependency, not being able to, you know, say what you need to say until you're angry and then you don't care anymore about how other people mm. feel because that was the whole thing is like all I cared about was how he felt, what he thought, what was going on with him. I absorbed all of his emotions and so that's why I get so anxious. And so eventually I would get so tired of the anger because he would not let it go and he would just keep going. I would blow up mm. and then he would calm down. This was the cycle that we talked about a lot when we started recovery because it was like a permanent fixture in our life daily. That cycle would happen. He would get angry and controlling. I would I would try to placate him, make him feel better. Eventually I would get angry and then he he would stop and apologize and then it would just happen again the next day or mm. even later on the same day or whenever the next time was. So I was always kind of on eggshells. Mm. So with that, just kind of through that lens of trust, um, how did trust play in that? Just trying to kind of put words to that. Mm -hmm. um, what was the level of mistrust in that cycle as you're kind of organizing that out loud? How did that play into that cycle uh, with his anger, your codependency that would ultimately lead to anger and, and just staying stuck in that. How did that grow the mistrust or the distrust in that? What, what did that look like? Well, in the, in my quest for finding the guy who was going to fix it, you know, when I was growing up, I, there was this desire to be cherished and um, taking, you know, taken care of mm. because my parents didn't do that. It's making me get emotional. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I, I, you know, I need to find that person that's going to cherish me and put me first and think of my feelings. Mm. And in his anger and control stuff, he couldn't get out of his head long enough to think about me ever. Mm. And so that's where the trust began to be broken that, you know, you don't care about me. You don't love me. All you care about is yourself, mm. what you want and need, the way that you see things. And I was kind of never put in that forefront. So I didn't trust him to care for me or mm. to take care of me in any way. It was always me needing to take care of him um, because of his anger and control. And of course, that came from my codependency. It wasn't, he wasn't requesting that. In recovery, of course, I learned how to to 
separate myself from his emotions and let him deal with himself and not absorb that into myself. But I just didn't, I didn't trust him to put me first ever. Hmm. It wasn't like, you know, I want to always be first, but it was like once in a while would be great, (laughs) you know? And over time, it kind of eroded my trust and it also eroded my emotions and feelings for him. Hmm. Um, So that eventually I did not love him anymore and to got to the point that I I just daily felt hate and just anger towards him. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. the anger kind of becomes the the defense and the protection, right? It's interesting. Even you're talking about your codependency, you know, at the heart of it is the, the way you feel about me is how I will feel. Right. Um, but when anger comes out, that's where, if I don't get big and loud here, I could die in this place. Right. Cause I'm going to be left alone. Yeah. Yes. One of my belief systems that I discovered in my inventory process was that that kept being repeated was I don't matter. Mm. And that belief system was in my in my experience was absorbed into myself with every experience. The experience with my parents was I don't matter. They matter. My dad's alcoholism mattered. And then in these relationships, I don't matter what he feels and needs matters, you know, and what he thinks of me was also like you just mentioned a very big part of that because he was always angry about me not meeting this level of perfection. And so there was always, again, the you're not enough, you know, you're not good enough and you don't matter. One of the things I talk about as well in my recovery is that I absorbed not that I was doing thing wrong, things wrong or not meeting a mark, I absorbed, I am wrong, that Mm. who I am as a person, that I don't matter, I don't exist, I and I am wrong as a person. I'm just overall defective. Wow. Uh, Good stuff. I want to want to dive in that just a little bit more before we turn the corner, but uh, let me yeah. take a quick break here, Sabrina, the good, good stuff. And, and, uh, great, grateful for, uh, this, the wisdom that Sabrina brings to this conversation. We'll continue with Sabrina, the national state rep trainer and talking about trust stick with us and we'll be right back. Well, you've established in step one, you've established that foundation through the online seven keys training. And now you're ready to go to the next level to, to build on that foundation through the in-person advanced training. Whether you're just starting or you've been around a while, we've got a place for you. Just go to crconferences.com and invest in yourself and your leadership team to grow yourself and your ministry. crconferences.com for more information and tickets. Welcome back. Uh, talking with Sabrina, the national state rep trainer, talking about trust. And right before we went to the break, Sabrina, we were just talking about how that identity piece, you know, that heartbreaking in a hopeless place when we when we believe those messages that I don't matter, that I'm not enough, that it it really we take on this this identity piece. And that's pretty central to what Celebrate Recovery helps us to poke at and and really flip on its head to to really get to what our true identity is, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. That was a, that was a huge part 
of my my turning point in recovery was reestablishing that identity that had been so beaten down, hmm. you know, just completely beaten down. Yeah. So I, I would imagine, Sabrina, as we're kind of kind of turn the corner in you're in celebrate you're in recovery right and you're trying to poke at these old narratives and this way of getting out of this cycle i would imagine there was probably um i would presume some mistrust toward god in that space that was there any correlation between my earthly relationships and my heavenly relationship what did that look like that's a great question um because Interestingly enough, you know, I've heard a lot of input in recovery of people being angry at God or feeling like he wasn't there for them or, um, you know, not trusting him for sure. Mm. I think for me, I, I never believed any of those things. Mm. Um, my spiritual, my relationship with God and my spiritual life came later. My parents were not believers and were actually anti- antagonistic towards faith, um, in general. And I I started going to church with a best friend and her family. And that's where I found God and and started developing a relationship with him. And so very much church became a saving place for me Mm. away from that household chaos and things that were going on there. And so I, and you know, it was in the midst of all of that chaos and struggle and pain that was going on in my home life that 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 I had that you know it was like all those years growing up because it was like elementary school second third grade fourth grade maybe when I started attending and so it, there was like a juxtaposition between what was going on in my home and mm. what I felt there and what was going on at church and what I felt there because I did feel I began to feel close to the people there this became kind of family of sorts, just like my friends did mm. in my extroversion. Like these became my family places. And so God never felt, he, I just felt like, thank you, you know, for being there mm. in the middle of all of that um, and making me feel and and learn something different. I knew that he loved me, mm. but that relationship was very, uh, superficial is the guess I guess the best way to put it is that I had that in that place that mm-hmm. church and then when I walked out the door and left that's where it stayed pretty much you know I prayed and you know I didn't do any bible study or anything I didn't become a disciple until I was around 30 years old even mm-hmm. though I got saved at 12 and so it was like god was this <laughs> ethereal you know being that wasn't a real close relationship. And so I didn't feel those like issues with trust with him. I think it was just a non-point. It was a non-existent thing to think about trust with him. Mm. And like he, it wasn't like, I felt like he was supposed to take care of me and I didn't. It was just absorbed that my family was supposed to and didn't, you know, it was kind of a separated thing. Um, Mm. But what I didn't, but what, you know, in terms of like before recovery and after recovery, um, what did happen in the context of recovery was learning. I think it was because my relation, I kept God at a distance in the same way I kept everyone else at a distance and kept myself, kept myself protected. So I never delved into building that close relationship and felt like he needed to take care of me because 
I took care of me, you know, by mm. protecting myself kind of thing. And so within the context of recovery, I started being able to build a relationship with him and learn what my identity was mm. supposed to be, you know, in Christ. I had started, yeah. you know, Bible study and things through a crisis that I had with a church group that basically told me there was no way I could be saved and I wasn't going to heaven. And I kind of panicked and went through this period of like finally getting in the word for myself. I say that it was when the Holy Spirit hit me over the head with a two by four because he had been trying to nudge me and I wouldn't listen. And so I did start building that relationship prior to recovery and became very like thirsty for it, Mm. especially because again, I was still living in this chaos and pain with my husband in my household. And so again, you know, now I'm building this relationship and I am starting to trust God. Mm. Um, But that became, that came full circle in recovery. So years after starting. Well, I love that picture. Just, I mean, just thinking that little girl, um, going into that church family and just just being able to sit in that space of just I feel safe here but yes but the outside world was still chaotic for you and you were still very much alone in that even though you felt safe in that space and just mm-hmm. just thinking about celebrate recovery and just that you know turning our life over to him is a one time event but it's the turning our will over to him which requires trust, right? I mean, if the thinking of the order of yeah. celebrate recovery, I have to acknowledge that there is a God and I'm not it. My life's a mess. I need help. Mm-hmm. Earnestly believe that God exists, God exists, that I matter. And that speaks to those core beliefs mm-hmm. that you were talking about, right? And yes. and he has the power to help me. And if I can let that sit in my heart, that yes. seems to go a long way in turning the corner to, okay, I believe those things in the first two principles. Now, trust, I trust I'm going to turn my life and my will over mm-hmm. to your care and control. That was a yes. big deal, I'm assuming, for you. Yes, that was the principle I have it pulled up. That's the principle and the step that was kind of the the crux of everything for me because um, learning so for all of those, for 20 years before recovery, Alan and I were married for 20 years before getting into recovery. And for those 20 years, I was fighting this fight, you know, to try to change Alan so that I could feel better and mm. I could have peace. Um, I remember my bottom day where I was just like, I'm bawling and I'm just like, this is never going to change. I thought that this marriage was going to take me out of the pain and hurt that I grew up in. Mm. And it's not happening. And I just, it's never going to stop, right? It's never going to change. This is just my life. This pain and this despair is just going to be forever. Mm. Um, And so, um, you know, getting into recovery after fighting that fight, going through the Cartman drama triangle over and over and over again with him and nothing changing. And even my, my period of becoming a disciple and getting in the word had already started in that process. And I, I would pray and pray and pray and pray, you know, change him, let him see himself. Mm. I would sit in parking lots bawling after a fight or, you know, whatever, and just, and, and just pray and, and wasn't changing again, Mm. you know, it just, these things weren't changing. And it was like, you know, I don't know what else to do. And what I learned in recovery is that, you know, that that I was trying to, even becoming a disciple, I was still trying to tap into my own power 
to change Alan, to change our relationship. And after 20 years, it was just not happening. Learning that he has the power to help me recover Mm. and learning how to tap into that was kind of the key of recovery for me is that I, I have to stop doing this in my own power. At one point, Alan and I, recovery was, it felt the first four to five years, maybe even a little bit longer, of recovery felt more painful almost than the 20 years of pain that we had gone through and my childhood. Because, of Mm. course, I was in the moment of that. So I was feeling it fresh. Um, But we were, we started dealing with things and saying things and working a process. And we were dealing with things that had been, you know, a Band-Aid had been put over something and, and it had just started decaying over time. And now we're pulling that off trying to clean it out and fix all of those things. And so there was almost more pain. We were confused. We didn't know how to communicate in healthy ways. Every time we tried to, his anger and control would kick up and my codependency would kick up. And it was just like this, ugh. you know, it was just, it was even more, it felt even more painful. And we would go, this isn't working. And like, we, this can't, we're not going to get through this, you know, mm. kind of thing. And Alan said one day, um, I just want to know in the end that all the, of this is worth it and we're going to end up together. Wow. And this is the things that I started saying to him and to me, like I need to believe this, was I don't, in my feelings, I don't feel like I'm ever going to feel differently about you, that I'm ever going to love you again, mm. you know, be in love with you again, that things are going to be healthy. But God's word says nothing is impossible with God. And that is what I have to trust. And I just kept saying it, even though in my feelings, I didn't feel it. Mm. I knew it was the truth. And so I just kept repeating that to him and to myself. Like, that is the truth. It's not the truth that you're going to fix it or I'm going to fix it. The Mm. truth is, is that God has the power to fix it. And I'm going to let him do that. And I'm just going to try to show up. I said, all I can promise is that today... I'm showing up to do the process. I can't tell you what's going to happen in 10 years. But the other cool part was that I said, this is the thing, though. If we don't end up together, I I know that won't destroy me. Where for 20 years, all I knew was that that would destroy me. Is mm. if we broke up, we got divorced, he didn't love me, you know, it would destroy me. And that's what kept me there and kept me in that stupid cycle and with all of that dysfunction was the fear of losing the one person that, you know, had kind of gotten done a little bit better than my parents did, Mm. even though he didn't hit the mark. And so it was like, I know it won't destroy me if we don't end up together because God will be there. That he is my savior, not you, because Alan had become my savior all those years. And so it was like, I'm going to make it to the other side with or without you. And I'm going to keep doing this every day. And I'm going to show up today and I'm going to keep working. Mm. And that's all I can promise you. And you have to deal with your own fear of if we don't end up together. And so I'm going to keep fighting the fight. You know, I hope you do too, but God's got me one way or another. And I think that was the transition of trusting the right person. (laughs) You know, yeah. What I love about that, Sabrina, and I thank you for your vulnerability. I know that our listeners are so blessed right now. I know I am just taking this in, but 
What I love about that is just just thinking of the fear that both of you were carrying that fed the anger and the anxiety and all that stuff and the mistrust. Um, Knowing his perfect love drives out fear. You just invited God into that. And, and just being able to just think about, you know, trust is kind of the fruit of truth. And you both were being honest about where you were, not trying to control the outcome, just trusting right. the process, inviting God into it as you got honest and real about your own parts and trusting the process. And that, that produced the fruit of trust because of your truthfulness. And I love that. Uh, what a great, mm-hmm. great model. Sabrina, what would you say to somebody that's listening right now that, that maybe they're, they're having some trust issues and they're wrestling with that. And, you know, just thinking about that exasperation that you both can't, is this even working? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Do, what do you say to somebody that is on the fence about jumping in, or maybe they're early in the process and they're having some of those doubts of, is this ever going to be different? Yeah. What, what would you say to them to encourage them in this process? Well, the the final outcome for me that has been the major, um, I don't know, the major transformational part of recovery for me was that as I learned to trust God first, I then began to learn how to trust myself second, like God's it, number one, but there has to be a trust in myself to number one, take care of myself. Number like I didn't, I needed to stop expecting Alan or anyone else to take care of me Mm. because that was between me and God. God's doing that. He's carrying me and he's loving me. He's parenting me. He's my spouse. You know, he's all of the things that I need in, in the perfect. Mm. And that transferred, then transferred to me. Like one of the ways that happened was early on in those very scary, hard years, Alan, I knew was not a trustworthy person for Mm. me. He was not safe. And so my step study girlfriends and my open share girlfriends became what, you know, who and what I needed to fill that, those gaps of the one another places that I need, that God tells me I need, that it's not just Jesus is all I need and that's it. He tells me we need one another. We need other people. We need relationship. Mm. And so that was a healthy need I had growing up, but I started getting vulnerable with them first with the, in those safe spaces of open share and step studies and in deeper relationships with those women is where I started building trust for people Mm. by trusting myself enough to be able to say the hard things, to be vulnerable, to know, to start to learn. It's not instant, but to start to learn where to have boundaries, where someone is not being safe for me, because the women and the people in these in CR groups are not perfect either. No. And they're they're going through all of the same junk, right? There's someone in my group that might have anger issues that's going to trigger me because mm. of my relationship with my husband. Yeah. And so I had to learn also to trust myself to know who is safe and the right people for me to go deeper with mm. than just an open share. And where do I have boundaries? Where do I need to have a voice? All of the things that I lost and didn't have because of my codependency and my experiences, I learned how to cultivate in those groups. 
Yeah. And so I began to trust myself second. Me saying to my husband, I don't know where I'm we're going to end up, but I know I won't, you know, it won't fall apart and it won't destroy me meant that I trusted God to take care of me and for me to take care of me in the temporal, yeah, you know, and in the experiencing of life in that. And so I was learning how to trust myself second. So and good. because because of that, ultimately, I can I learned how to trust my husband and how to trust other people through God being the first that I trust to take care of me, me trusting myself to take care of me because he's carrying me through that mm. meant that I can trust other people that are inhuman, imperfect, will hurt me, will do things that are are not right. And I then know what to do about that. I know mm. what tool to use in firm recovery or with God. Yeah. I know yeah. I can go to my group and talk about it. I know I can put up boundaries even that say, I can't be in relationship with you or you in order to keep me safe. I didn't know how to do that with my husband. Part of this process was even learning how to have boundaries with him, which yeah. triggered his anger, by the way. We had <laughs> yeah. this pendulum swinging when we started recovery that like when I started saying no to things or not just thinking about him and his feelings, taking care of me where I needed to, not in a worldly selfish way, but yeah. in a very healthy boundaries way or whatever. I, I, I was learning all that time as well to trust myself that That's I could great. say, you need to deal with you. I'm going to leave and go have a Starbucks <laughs> and I'll see you later because yeah. you're spiraling a little bit. Yeah, Those good. were victories. Good stuff. Well, always goes so fast and we're out of time here. But, uh, mm. but Sabrina, thank you so much. I, I love that imagery of put my trust in the Lord. It's almost as if, and I often tell premarital couples this when I'm talking to them, that Make it so that your partner would have to go to Jesus to find your heart. And, mm. and just that that imagery, mm. I'm putting my trust in you, Lord, that anyone that wants to know me fully is going to have to go to you to find my heart. And that's kind of that picture. Just I'm going to oh, put I my trust that. in you, God, and that will the overflow of that will produce the fruit and being able to learn to trust people yes. and do that in a healthy way. But Sabrina, thanks so much. Some good stuff. I know our listeners were blessed and I just appreciate you so much. Thanks for all you do and for who you are, even more importantly. Thank you, Rodney, you as well. And thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm, I will be so happy if it helps anyone yeah. in this process. We may have to get you back and maybe we talk about the inventory process and what that looked practically as we kind of dug into those old wounds and how that, that process changed you. But thanks so much I for, for joining us today. Um, and thank Thanks. you for all of you that uh, joined us today. We, you all are a blessing. Uh, thanks for joining us in this road we call recovery. And, and maybe you're believing some of those lies that, that Sabrina mentioned, just that I don't matter, I'm not enough, and it's become an identity piece. Maybe, just maybe, this is the time for you to lean into that and find a, a group near you and join millions of other people on this road we call recovery toward lasting freedom and healing to grow back trust. If you'd like to join us, find a group near you, go to celebraterecovery.com forward slash CR groups and join us on this journey. But thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless you.